Silence. What the hell are you doing? It's a fork. I, I know. I know. Why Why is that fork scraping on my microphone? Well, I, I don't know. It's made, it made a fun sound. Silence. Oppenheimer! I myself am strange and unusual. Listen to Fred Radio! Nerd alert! See, this is the stuff that brings nerds together. So it's sort of social. Demented and sad, but social, right? If I'm interested in it, then by definition, it is nerdy. Are you a loser denial or something? My dad's a nerd. And welcome to episode 309. Wait, a fork. A f- okay, episode 309 of Nerd Pride Radio. 309, 309 AD, also known in the Roman Empire as the year of the consulship of Licinius. Licinius. Licinius? That's how it's spelled, but there's that extra I in there, so I think it's Licinius. Or Licinius, if you want to. Pronounce it with the soft C. You but want to listen to my what now? Right, exactly. But I'm, I am a, a hard proponent of the hard C in uh, Roman pronunciation. What, what about hard C in my anus? Because, for example, uh, there is a family of generals uh, from Rome uh, that are often pronounced as the Scipio. Uh, yeah, line Scipio. Of, right, and I always pronounce it as Scipio. I've seen I a whole bunch that. of videos on the Scipio I, family. Right, and I think I got the, the hard C pronunciation from everybody. Uh, for everybody from uh, 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 Hardcore History. But um, the one where it gets hard is Senator Cicero, now becomes Senator Cicero, which I find really funny, but it, it's not the same. Anyway, the point is, during the year of the consulship of Licinianus, which was 309 AD, uh, the Roman Empire saw the spread of a great plague uh, across its empire, Possibly some form of anthrax. Right. Anthrax. Uh-huh. Weird, right? So, ask me how I'm doing today. They didn't even have a mail system. I said ask me how I'm doing today. Go on. Ask me. How you doing? Well, I'm pretty good except for this anthrax. Don't, don't, don't get the fork out. Don't get the fork out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am awesome. My name is Mike Jones. I am a... Pathfinder slash D&D nerd, a history nerd, a sci-fi nerd, a comic book nerd, computer nerd, movie nerd, comedy nerd, science nerd, gaming nerd, plus there's like seven other kinds of nerd I only wish I was nerdy enough to be. You are listening to Nerd Pride Radio, the place I go every week with my son Aiden here. Hi, it's me. Hey, we're on about all the nerd stuff that just won't fit in our skulls anymore. As always, we're recording live from our Nerd Pride studios in the belly of a Vogon constructor vessel currently in a parking orbit around the Dwarf Planet series. That was a lot. Yeah. Wait, how's that? Is the gain better now? Oh, look at that. Now that's a recording. Wait, wait, the gain's better? Hold on, let me try something. Oh, yeah, see, no, 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 no. now you're blowing your ears out. Oh, okay. It's, it's topping out, dude. Oh, okay. All right, so, anyway, uh, the point is, 
Now that we've got the sound just adjusted exactly right, so it's not going to hurt anybody, it's time for a little feedback. <laughs> Yo, find, find something, Mike? Find anything interesting? Naked rednecks with guns and pizza? What the hell is this? <laughs> All right, don't don't display your fetish porn for me. Seriously. my ears that's right we got a little feedback uh this is actually uh um a love letter from one of our listeners that says dear aiden that's me i love your horror movie reviews because they are always spot on Dang, is this from kyle let me get to it i said it was a love letter i personally would have switched the order of his house and hashtag alone uh, but they were both great movies. Now, uh, hold on, this is Mike interjecting. Uh, in Aiden's defense, I believe at the beginning of that segment, he said that because he couldn't decide because they were all good, he didn't put them in any particular order. But I can't swear to that. That, that, is, that is true, yes. Okay, well, of course you'll say that now. You'll say anything to avoid being wrong. No, no, no fork. Um, anyway, the whole point is that Kyle agrees with your assessments. Uh, and says that's a minor difference anyway. Uh, 1408 is my favorite Stephen King movie, he says, and the closest a movie has gotten to me crying. As as of, as uh, mine as well is my favorite Stephen King. A couple movies have made me cry, uh, na- namely Christmas Shoes. Um, yeah, Christmas Shoes and uh, Train to Busan. Oh so, my god, I, I I cried the second time I watched Train to Busan. All right, hold on, he en- he ends this note with love your uncle Kyle. Oh, thanks, Kyle. Um, yeah, look, Kyle, you've never cried at a movie? Really? Are you heartless? No, no, some people just don't cry at movies. I get that. He's, um, I mean, it's not like Kyle's not a sensitive dude. I know he is. Um, you, you know how I'm just, sensitive I'm, your brother is? Yes. He's actually, uh, he projects this, this aura of, of arrogance. He, and, he, he projects this aura of uh, and asshole- vegan masculinity. And and assholery, um, but deep down, uh, he's very thoughtful and sweet and generous and and caring. Uh, he just likes to to hide it under this veneer of sarcasm. So this velour of sarcasm. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, it's a soft, sarcastic velour. <laughs> okay, thank um, you. This podcast is sponsored by Zap Brannigan. <laughs> so, um. Anyway, thank you, Kyle. We appreciate your feedback. You're awesome. The meticulously plotted portion of the podcast. This is the time for me and Aiden where we talk about all the interesting things that we've stumbled across during the last week or so. If something tickles our nerd fancies during the course of our busy, busy weeks, we add it to our master lists, and the very best off of those lists get spewed out all over you guys every time we record. You, you lucky, lucky dogs. dogs. Uh, straight in that master list, the first thing up is our gaming table. I've got Master's Guide I've got 12-sided die Role-playing games, video games, board games, card games, any games, if it fits on our gaming table, we're here to share it with you. Oh, and straight in, um, I'm going to go first this week, and I'm going to talk about a card game that we just got for Christmas, and we got around to playing this week, and it was called Dragonwood. Who's bringing their fetishes to the table now? <laughs> Look, I'm just saying it's called Dragonwood, and I don't even know that the fetish line is going to make it in because 
uh, you were talking all the way through the portion where we were supposed to be doing the feedback. And so, therefore, feedback noise is going to cover up your entire fetish porn discussion. But also, the Ow My Ears bit was gold, and you'll lose a lot of context if you do. Right. So, um... Ah! What the hell? I don't want to know. So, uh, anyway, uh, we played this game called Dragonwood. It is a card game, and it is fantastic. It was really a lot of fun. Dragonwood plays with uh, two decks of cards. Uh, one deck is a bunch of creatures and objects out in the forest in the, the Dragonwood, if it, as it were. And uh, you can capture these items by using the cards from your other deck. Everyone's got a hand of cards that is basically... It's rather like just... Uh, a regular, what are you hell? doing, dude? I am trying to find stuff on a website, and it keeps playing ads. Okay. Do you know where your silence button is, old man? I, I have since turned it down, yes. <laughs> when you say since, you mean in the last eight seconds? I am terribly sorry to the viewers. <laughs> so anyway, um, anyway, uh, you've got all these things out in the woods that you're, you need to capture uh, to score victory points. And to capture them, you have, you're playing from what is essentially a regular deck of cards. It's got four or five suits with numbers ranging from one to 12. And, uh, if you get, if you can lay down, uh, any number of cards with the numbers in a row, that is considered your sword strike. Um, and if you can lay down matching numbers, so a set of all fives or all fours or whatever, um, that's considered your stomping attack. And then the final one is if you can just get a bunch of uh, cards of the same suit, that's your screaming attack. And however many cards you put down for your attack, if you can get three in a row for your sword strike, well, then you lay down three in a row, you get to roll three dice to see if you can capture the thing. So uh, some things are easier captured by sword, or some are easier captured by screaming at them. Um, and It sounds like this is a game that can be modified to be played with literal just two decks of cards. Uh, no, no, because the, the second deck of cards... That adventure deck is pretty much just a regular deck of cards. The other one is a deck full of uh, different creatures and items that you can win, and it gives you what scores you, you, you need could, to beat you them. You mark down a cheat sheet of which cards mean what monsters and no, items. No. Well, but then you'd have to have, basically, you'd have to have the entire other deck transposed onto sheets that you're... Tra- it's, no, that's, that's a custom deck. Uh, but uh, the trade-off you're making here as you go through is instead of just capturing monsters for victory points right away, you could instead capture items that will give you ongoing bonuses in certain situations throughout the game. So is it worth... Is it Munchkin? Right. It feels a lot like Munchkin. That was that was part of what we did. Um, except, you know, less of the cutthroat back and forth of it. Um, and we just really had a blast. And uh, Lisa won, because she always wins. And... Uh, and again, it was that that trade off of of you know at what point is it worth using up valuable cards to gain an item that doesn't give you any points directly but will help you get more points later? Maybe ah, you know. Um, she played very well. The rest of us did not. I think I've learned some lessons. I don't know if I can win next time, but I have a better grasp on the game now, and I really enjoyed this. I mean, it was just. It was really cool. Everybody got it right away. It's a very simple game. It takes about 20 minutes to play. Uh, and and just a good time. Dragonwood. Um, oh, the one problem I had, though, 
is I thought the dice were cursed because they were always rolling crappy because, you know, you get two dice or three dice or five dice or however many cards you're playing at the time. And it seemed like no matter what, it was they were always rolling low. And it wasn't until about halfway through the game that they I realized... they're not standard dice? That they're not numbered one to six. They're only numbered one to four. So it's one, two, two, three, three, four. Oh, yeah, that would have changed my calculations a lot. Yes, I told them about the part where you kicked all our asses. God, quit rubbing it in. She's such Stop a Stop rubbing wind. it into your ass? Yes, that's what I said. So... Um, anyway, Dragonwood, high recommend. Good game. I mean, and, you know, and it's a card game, so it's not expensive. Go get it. Hey, what do you got on the gaming table? I'm here to talk about my, uh... Can I borrow that? You're going to be talking, so I get the fork now. Can I have the fork? Thanks. I only did it once to test the sound and once to interrupt silence. I have been sparing with the fork. Right, I'm not... I just wanted to hold it. I just want something to do while you're talking. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, go ahead. I am here to uh, speak about my campaigns. Can you not? I I haven't been. I'm not doing anything. I promise you, I'm not. I don't want to mess up my microphone. You are are holding a fork ominously close to the microphone. Unlike you, I care about the things that I pay for. So. So, uh, I want to talk about... Okay, all right. (laughs) Now, moving it in circles, looking tauntingly at me. I'm not touching your microphone. I'm not touching your microphone. No, I'm not. Okay, go ahead. All right, so... That's fine. You can can stab yourself in the ear all you want. Um, so my campaigns. Um, you remember John 1? Yes, I remember John 1. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll call him John. Um, he has recently joined one of my campaigns, and he is getting more into it than he has previous campaigns under other people. Okay. And he actually wrote a backstory and made a character with interesting things, and it's leading to everyone having a better time. Cool. And so then, when my players ask, like, well, why does he get a backstory? And I responded, because you haven't given me your backstory. Right, because he wrote one? Well, but but we don't know what the world's like. You don't need to know what the world's like. Right, and and that's really true, and they're not experienced with it, obviously. But, yeah, you can write write a backstory, and then if the the game master sees it and says, well, this doesn't exactly fit, but maybe if we modify it to do this, then you're fine. And that's what what I did with uh, John exactly. Yes, you, you look, you want a confetti grenade? You can have a confetti grenade. She complains about everything. What about oh. a beanbag chair gun? Yes, the beanbag gun. Yes, I still love that. Anyway. I, I'm very clever, thank you. But it's, it's this God, whole... you rolled your eyes at me. That was terrible. It's this whole thing that... It doesn't occur to some players that a backstory is one of the keys to having a good time. I I would back that up a little bit and say that, yes, a backstory is one of the elements of a character that can greatly increase your enjoyment yes. of that character. It can help. It, I mean, they're not necessary, but man. It, it helps your cert- DM write something that when it happens, it means something. You're just like, that's from my backstory. Right. 
Exactly. It it helps all the way around. It gives you a better understanding of who your character is for role-playing purposes. It gives the, the Game Master stuff to work with. Um, to, anyway, yeah, all around. Love backstories. Mm-hmm. Not required, but preferred. It's, it's, it's one of those things that it's hard to have... How do I want to word this? Okay, you know what? I'll tell another story. In my other campaign that I ran on Saturday, I had a character that I specifically didn't want a backstory for. Because I knew from the get-go exactly what he was doing. Okay. He was playing an android with no memory beyond the last three years. Okay. And slowly he discovers that a professor from the major college, went missing about three years ago and shares a lot of similarities with him. Uh Uh-huh. So he starts piecing it together and getting access to old stuff and turns out he's another character's father. Whoa. Right. Right. So sometimes... so is he not an android? They don't know. I they listened to the podcast, so I can't say. I am telling much. you. I am telling you, Kaz. I hope you are listening to this. When Kaz in Paranoia played a robot, <laughs> and it took him until his legs snapped in half, and he can see bone protruding and blood <laughs> spurting. It finally occurred to him. I'm not a robot. He was not just a cleverly constructed robot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I, I, I mean, it, it's it's paranoia. It's paranoia. Come on, no one takes it seriously, and yet I really broke him. It was oh my god! It was a great experience for him. I, and a great experience for me. I, I broke my game. Android player. He when I revealed that. Oh yeah, uh, you find a book in your old lab called the Claire Project, and he just goes wide eyed, covers his face with his hands. He's like, oh no. <laughs> oh, it was meh. Oh, so good. So, um, I you know what I, I, I I'm going to bring it up in in listener betrayal, but uh, along those lines, if you're not watching Wandavision on Disney, watch Wandavision. Watch Wandavision. Oh my God. Okay, there you go. So, episode number four just came out like yesterday, I think. And, uh, uh, whew, it's good. I am having so much fun with one. You're good. No, yeah, you, you know what? Fine, I'll let you win. I am good. All right, go ahead. So, thanks. Did you have more on the gaming table? No, that, that's it. <laughs> no, hey, come on. You're okay, too. Yeah. In fact, I hear people all the time write into me and they tell me, wow, <coughs> that Aiden Ow. is really acceptable. Oh, more on the gaming table. Oh, okay, go ahead. I recently bought Time Machines, as as in No More Heroes 1 and 2 were released for Switch. Nice. And they are some of my favorite games of all time, and I've been playing the heck out of them. Uh-huh. Um, I have watched lots of No More Heroes. Uh, your brother Jacob adores that game. Oh, yeah. So uh, they, they released on Switch in anticipation for in March when... Uh, no More Heroes 3 comes out. Nice. 
I think it's in March. No, no, March is uh, Monster Hunter Rise. Got it. We don't have a release date for No More Heroes 3 yet. Okay, well. In that vein... Are we done here? Yeah, we're done here. Okay. Uh, in that vein... And now for something completely different. That's right. Time for something completely different. Uh, turns out, uh, this week... Oh, yeah, completely different. This is stuff we don't have a category for yet. So It's mostly us just telling stories from our life. Right, so uh, we're out packing meat, and uh, is is this another segment of Aiden can't laugh or make crude jokes? <laughs> no, but um, it could be. Anyway, we were out. Uh, it, no, it, it was in this case. Honestly, we were just out there stuffing sausage. So <laughs> it was. Where are you now? It, but that's not relevant to the story. Um, we we should we should really just just call this story time with Lance and Keith. Really, I have I have one dog now. Her name is Pippin. She is a we have lovely had one dog for a while. Right, she is a lovely dog. She is eleven years old. Um, she has some health issues, but she's lost a lot of weight. She's doing better. She may live a few more years. Fr- frequent kidney Whatever. stones is uh, one of them. Bladder stones, actually. That's it. And yeah, and they're terrible. Uh, but we don't want another dog. We have spoken for a while now, years now, that look, when the dogs are gone, as much as we love our dogs, uh, we don't want any more dogs. All right? We have we have two and a half cats, and that is plenty. So uh, we think we're going to be a cat household. Um, and no more dogs. What, wait, but were you guys talking about, uh, so, about, about a French bulldog or something? So your Aunt Jenny... <laughs> your Aunt Jenny is... Uh, she rescues animals. She is like we a, know. She is officially the animal rescue person the, for her the, area. The four hundred cats that used to live out by Grandpa and Grandma's place. Uh, no, 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 no. Now she's official. She's all licensed and stuff. Is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she, when the uh, um, Park Service or or uh, Resource <laughs> District guys, um, when they, whenever they come up with uh, uh, animals that have been orphaned. Abandoned and need to be nursed back to health, and before they can be released back in the wild, uh, Jenny is one of the people they bring those animals to. Uh, sometimes in the middle of the night, whether it's a um, an orphaned baby squirrel or uh, sick raccoons, baby possums. I mean, she she has very consistently had all sorts of weird wild animals um, that she like. She has a cupboard in her home that is just stocked with. Uh, all of the various powdered formula uh, mixtures that she would need for whatever animal comes in. Do, do they make powdered formula for possums? They actually make. Uh, they make. Def- there are several different formulations of powdered formula up there, and uh, by putting in the for each animal, there are instructions on what to mix together with how much water mm. in order to get uh, a viable formula for that animal. So she has all those on hand with the instructions. So, again, licensed to do this, trained to do this. Um, but as such, she is also connected to other rescue animal people and different types of rescue animal people. Specifically, a woman in York, Nebraska, who rescues cleft palate puppies. Yeah. because That's uh, oddly specific. Well, there are some breeds of dog... Specifically, flat-faced breeds of dog. Like pugs and French bulldogs. Bulldogs, yeah. um, That are prone to cleft palates because of the nature of their skulls. Mm -hmm. 
And so breeders, um, and I think this is a, a horrible practice among among many horrible practices with professional dog breeders. Mm-hmm. And not all dog breeders are terrible, but a lot of them do this. That when they come up with a, a puppy with a cleft palate, um, they just have it put down. So oh. yeah, I know. That's a perfectly good dog. At least eat it. At, at what? Before you choked on yourself, what? At least eat it. Right. Yeah. See. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, it's no harder to skin and cook up than a guinea pig. Good lord. Right. Okay. So my point is that they look. If you're going to take the time to pluck a parrot, you have time to prepare a dog. It's <laughs> so. So really, uh, I mean. Yeah, I, I I know I've got to I've got to arrest you on this one, but you got to tell me before I do. How how'd the condor taste? Uh, you know, not not quite as good as uh, um, as a baby seal, but you know maybe maybe more along the lines of bald eagle. That's kind of a all right. Anyway, um, no, we're not eating puppies. Anyway, uh, lots of professional dog breeders will just put down defective dogs. Um, they throw away the ones that, that they can't make a profit on, they think. And uh, thus, uh, this woman with the rescue, she rescues cleft palate puppies. And she raises them until they are six to eight weeks old, eight weeks, whatever it is. And then gives them away to families who are ready to deal with a puppy with a cleft palate. Because she's not going to have the cleft palate repaired. That mm-hmm. has to be done a little bit later. Um, but she wants to make sure it goes to a family that will be able to take care of it, will be able to afford the surgery if it is going to require surgery because some people don't ever get them fixed, but I mean, we would if it was us. And Because uh, you can relate. And thus, because of my cleft palate, Jenny hears that this woman has cleft palate puppies, French Bulldogs. She knows that we have always liked French Bulldogs, and she says, oh, 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 I know they said they wouldn't ever get another dog, but um, I bet they'd have a soft spot in their heart for this one. <laughs> was she right? And she's right. So, um, and there, there, there actually um, is not as simple as just walking in and getting it because right. uh, she actually has three cleft palate French bulldogs all at the same time. Two of them, I think, came out of the same litter. Um, one of those is already gone, and I think the other one, someone's looked at her, and I think she's going to. Then the third one coming up, we're hoping, fingers crossed, we might have a shot at that. So, um, there is, uh, it's. Uh, it's at least a thousand dollars to get the cleft palate repaired. Do you have a thousand dollars? Yeah, yeah, we could do that if we had uh, to. Do you have to pay the woman to take the dog? No, it is. Hey, a... Are you okay? You are bleeding. Yeah, well, I just picked off that little. There's a little scab there, and I oh, I absently picked at it because I must have bumped it against something, so the skin was kind of poking up, and I kind of picked it off. And now, yeah, there's a little blood. I'll be all right. We're waiting for it to dry, yeah. so, so you can pull, peel it off like glue. Yes, yes, that's easy. Exactly. I used to do that, that all the time in elementary school. All right. Um, and so, anyway, to to play off of one of your earlier comments when we were off air, uh, we were out at your grandma and grandpa's today, and we were discussing this whole possibility. And grandpa's like, hey, well, you just got that big promotion. Why don't you just go buy a French bulldog if you guys like them so much? Because you rescue, not get from a breeder. Right, and that's I'm like, yeah, because if I go give my $1,500 to a breeder, for a French bulldog, then I am encouraging exactly the sort of behavior that, that causes cre- these cleft palate puppies. That, that creates these cleft palate puppies that are then being put down. Also, or... band name. Cleft palate puppies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
and you know, so I can't I can't give my my fifteen hundred dollars to a breeder, but I could give my fifteen hundred dollars to a to a veterinarian who can repair a broken dog and well, broken dog that's a terrible repair way to say a broken dog, but repair to to uh, surgically uh, surgically take care of the cleft palate and thus bring the dog into our home and all that. So it will cost the same amount of money either way, but um, you know, one way makes you feel better about yourself so you don't feel so bad about and, littering. And the, the way that makes you feel better about yourself also doesn't support horrifying dog breeding practices that cause uh, genetic deformities and health problems. Yeah, or or the one that makes me feel better about myself lets me brag to everybody about what a good person I am for taking in this hard luck and dog. And you ruined it. Oh, Oh, wait, so I don't get into heaven if I'm just doing good acts for selfish reasons? Right, yeah. God darn it! I knew knew I had that screwed up again. So, actually, no, we just, our heart goes out to it, and it's, they're adorable puppies. They are, they're French bulldogs, for God's sake. And Pippin might benefit from taking care of something smaller than herself. Yes, yes. And then, see, and then the problem, though, is then we take in the, we take in the cleft palate puppy, and we fall in love with it, because it'll be awesome. And then Pippin does die in a couple of years, and then it's a French bulldog, and you don't want to leave a French bulldog by herself for for the whole day while we're at work. She would need some companionships. You might need another dog. It's a vicious cycle. Hopefully, maybe hopefully maybe she you can just, train this puppy to be out in the entire house all well, the time. Exactly. So what I'm hoping is that this one will get along with the cats better, uh-huh. and that uh, and that maybe there will be some companionship there. But maybe you know, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. So. Uh, anyway, that that's ours. All right, so what did you have for uh, now for something completely different? You guys remember John 2, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know John 2. Well, him and I disagree on many a thing, as, you know, you do with some people. Mm-hmm. And he believes that in Star Wars, the Rebellion is completely in the right, and I believe that the Empire has done nothing wrong. Okay, so he thinks that in the original Star Wars trilogy... yes. This idiot yes. truly believes that Luke and Leia and Han and Chewbacca are the good guys. Right, the terrorists are the good guys, yeah. Oh, fool. Right. I mean, look, just because just just George Lucas is a communist who, uh, who was able to write these sympathetically doesn't cover up the fact that they were evil, evil terrorists. Is, is, is George Lucas a communist? No, he's not. <laughs> just, okay. And, and I also, look, I, I like the... Um, I like the original Star Wars movie. I like Episode Four, and uh, and I don't care if they're terrorists. I like them. I don't know what your problem is. They're the good guys, dude. All right, anyway, right. go ahead. So we got into one of our famous arguments on which is better, the well, which is more in the right, the Empire or the Rebellion. And he rarely gives me hard facts on how the Rebellion is in the right. He just says that they're the good guys. Of course they're in the right. But that's not an argument, bud. I can give you the, uh, Alderaan. It was a legitimate strategic target. Uh-huh. And all the other actions were because the rebellion provoked them. The rebellion said, well, we don't like these guys. I guess we'll just, you know, become terrorists. And the Empire said... We we don't we don't like that. Let's let's right. quell this terrorist insurrection. But look, when you're judging who's good and who's evil, honestly, which side has more dancing with Ewoks? 
I don't, uh, I don't think this is a hard choice. Considering how many of our boys in white exploded on that Death Star, they're all dancing in Ewoks and dancing with Ewoks in heaven. That is not true at all. And um, those people had families. Here, look, they're soulless clones. Which is I, no, 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 not, not. I know, I know. And first we, of all, first we have off, since clones, ceased the clone project. Doesn't doesn't matter. Clones also have souls, so that's also um, a, a specious argument. But uh, my point is that I agree that technically, which is the best kind of correct, technically. The Empire is in the right. The Empire is the ruling force in the galaxy. They make the laws. Therefore, whatever they're doing is lawful, and whatever the Rebellion is doing is illegal. But, that is absolutely true. But if you they're think about it... They're taking illegal actions. Right, they're taking illegal actions. They're, they are terrorists, and it is a government's attempts to stop internal terrorism. Okay. And my point... Is just that, and yes, and that's it. That is what they're doing. However, um, let's look at how the emperor came to power. Let's look at how he subverted a a democratic republic now, into on. a dictatorship. Are you getting all your information from the films that were rebellion propaganda? And my point is, is which side is going to bring about? the greater good in the end. It's the difference in D&D between lawful evil and chaotic good. We we don't know how much the Rebellion stretched the truth when they made those films. Because, the, of course, they made the films. It's from their perspective. Those are 100% accurate historical documents. So you think. We have film of it. Wait, those are recreations? I believe so. Oh, look. Vader was way better looking. If. Alright, anyway. I'm sorry. There's. You were making. There, there's a... more story. We got way <laughs> sidetracked. You're making a point about John, too. Right. Go ahead. So, in his effort to never give me a solid argument, he called them. He called the Empire Nazis. Which. is baseless and untrue. They're, they're not Nazis. I mean, well, look, could I find a lot of similarities between the Empire and uh, the Third Reich at its height? Yeah, I could. But I mean, you not... could do that of the American military, too. Right, but yeah, exactly. That's not the point. They weren't Nazis. No. So I asked him, what makes them Nazis? Can you give me some facts? And he said, they have an emperor! Uh-huh. Mm. Wait, what segment is this? <laughs> This is now for something completely different. Okay, well, no, now he's got a point. Remember, uh, remember Nazi Rome, right? And also uh, Emperor Hitler, right? That's. Uh, 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 so I mean, look, there's, there's, there's definitely some points he could be making here, but he refuses to make these points. But, but yeah, they're Nazis because of their emperor is a little lacking. I get. Look, when he says Nazi, I'm assuming he just means totalitarian totalitarian I would agree with because they're under an emperor but that doesn't make the rebellion any less of terrorists right no 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 I believe the the word you're looking for is freedom fighter right right like like 
the founding fathers of the United States of America. You mean the terrorists? Look, Except, no, no, just no. Be, just because they dressed up in costumes and then broke into the harbor and and vandalized the ships, throwing uh, legitimate goods overboard in order to not pay taxes on... They were kind of terrorists, right? Yeah. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Well, except... And see, except uh, no, no, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. No, they are not terrorists because they won and they wrote the history books. Uh, oh, really? Just like the Rebellion wrote the movies. Yeah, You've just made my point for me. That's great. Thank you. But what I'm saying is usually how I prove that the Emperor, the Empire is in the right, sort of, is that John II loves America uh-huh. more than a lot of things. So all of the bad things he points out that the Empire did, uh-huh. I point out that the American military has done some very shockingly similar things. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That makes you a bad person. Does it? Well, if if I were John too, yes, I would d- believe so. D- right, right, because disagreeing with the government being a horrifying thing doesn't make it totalitarian at all. How long have you guys been talking about this? It seems like you guys have been... Seven minutes? Yeah, about that. (laughs) How are you able to rant about how the Empire did nothing wrong for seven straight minutes? Oh, God. Don't don't get him on the Skyrim, for God's sake. Let me tell you about the Empire and Skyrim. Because, (laughs) again, it's terrorists versus the Empire. Okay, Aiden's out of the room right now, but uh, I just got him started on Stormcloaks. And, uh... And I think after this, I'm going to bring up Palicos from Monster Hunter. We'll see how that goes over. But uh, I don't know how long it's going to be before he gets back. So, so uh, peace out. Because it's it's this whole thing with the Skyrim signed a treatise that stated that Talos, a historical man, was not a god, and he's not. But he was being. Oh, wait! 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 Like, for a fact, you know that he's not a god? I've been to Sovngarde. So? Talos wasn't there. So he was out. Whatever. Uh, No, no, actually, no, no, no. Scratch it. Talos was in Sovngarde. As a dude. He's a guy. He's not a god. I met him. Oh my god. So so God has to reveal his power and glory at every moment for you to believe in his... What I'm saying is... Alduin was hiding in Sovngarde. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is I've never played Skyrim, and I don't know what any of these words but mean. But anyway, anyway, Skyrim signed a treatise declaring that Talos is not a god and worship of him is illegal. Okay, dude, look. So, the Stormcloaks are butthurt because their leader tried to openly preach the teachings of Talos and got arrested. Okay, look, I... I have no basis on which to base any argument. I have no judgment here one way or another. I honestly have only your word to go on, so I will completely grant that to you, as long as we do agree that Palicos are slaves. Palicos are not slaves! Wait, come on, dude. No! No, Seriously. No, I can play as a Palico! Okay, so there are some free Palicos. Great. Just like... in Harry Potter, there are plenty of free house elves. No! All you gotta no, do is give are, them a sock. 
give him his own clothing and he's free. Palicos but until are then, not slaves. They agree to work with you. You you put up flyers to hire them and they, they apply agree. to Yeah, that's that's they why they apply to be hired. That's why that's why Noah's out there with his three palicos doing all of his freaking Two palicos doing his freaking grunt work for him. With what grunt work? They, I, they're out, they're I would not be able to complete half the missions so, I do without right, my palicos. My point, and thus, thus the reason they are slaves. You, you they admit get, they, you, they do not get paid. They do not, get paid. Don't you dare! They think. get their own money. They are compensated. I look. They, they're not slaves. I give them a place to sleep. I feed them every day. How is that slavery? Like the, what? They'd be better off in the the. Calico jungles of wherever? Is that what you're saying? I Okay, that's that's horribly racist. We have found Grimmelkine and Maylinx in all biomes, not just the jungle, so you can cut it with that pseudo-woke bullshit. No, that wasn't that that was that was pure uh colonialist superiority. That was uh that was straight up um uh patronizing right but anyway but yeah no no we found grimmelkine and the trappers so so you go out with two you say i i am a palico myself and travel with two more so so no so noah when noah goes out with his palicos yes all right so wait as a palico so as a palico you can also be a slave owner no. If you're a free palico, you could be a slave owner. Is that no, what you're there are no slaves because palicos are not slaves. So, so when when you come into loot in this game, you guys have killed a monster together. Yes. You you have all of this loot that comes in, and that loot is monetized, split exactly three ways, and you don't have any say over how they spend their money. They choose what to do with their equal third of the money. Just the way you choose what to do with your third of the money. Is that what you're telling me? I do not know the logistics. I know that the guild compensates them just like they compensate me. The guild? I know that for each quest, just like I receive a paycheck, the Palicos receive a paycheck. And then, how do they upgrade their equipment? They just go out and buy stuff? Yeah! And you have no input into that. I well, video game logic I do, but in the ah, lore of so the, you you choose how they dress. In video game you logic, choose... sure. But in the lore of the game, they arm themselves. Yeah, we tell ourselves pretty stories. I'm sure the lore of the game tells you that Why are you like this? Because it's fun. I've never, <laughs> I've never played Monster Hunter either. I have no idea what's going on. Um, that is like, like, okay, the Star Wars. I, I have, I have some background knowledge and context to make arguments in Star Wars. The rest of it, I have no idea. I don't know how that game works. Like, this I've never, is, never even touched been, the controller. <laughs> I'll take non-existent politics for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, anyway, um, oh, hey, look. Uh, God, we're running long, but we do have a science corner. I, I always run long. Science corner. Oh, she blinded me with science. She blinded me with science. Blinded me with science. And that music means if you don't walk away now, you might be in danger of learning something. Look, actually, the best part about those arguments, I think, 
is, and it's not going to be everybody, but there's going to be at least one listener out there who has very strong opinions about everything we're saying. <laughs> I don't uh, know what, name, I don't, namely Sam and John too. I don't know. I don't know what they think about it. I don't know where their opinions lie, but they are definitely yelling you know at what? their phone as we do here's, that. Here's your feedback. Here, here is your homework. Give us feedback on how one of us is wrong. I would love that. G- give us some feedback on whether palicos are slaves or not. Especially, look, if you know nothing about one of these subjects, yes, and you can absolutely. Write us, you can write us 500 words on it. That would be awesome. Oh, my God. All right. Anyway, see, now you have homework. Uh, that makes your nerds happy, right? You love homework. All right. Um, anyway, in the science corner, which is where we are, uh, first up, I have an article that I stumbled across uh, entitled, Paleontologists Finally Have Their First Good Look at a Dinosaur Butthole. What a great working title. And this does include the word cloaca. Oh, I was going to say. So, just be forewarned. God, I hate um, that word. Moist cloaca. So, <laughs> does that make it better? All right. I mean, um, when when you're trying to slide in, sure. Uh, no, please don't do that. Please, please. I am sorry that I made it bad. I, you made it worse. All right. So anyway, my, what have we learned? My point is, is yeah, I, I know what I've learned. I've learned that I, I'm not going to go head to head with you <laughs> in a cloaca battle because clearly. <laughs> You want to bump cloacas with me? Get ready for our first annual cloaca off. In this cloaca off, cloaca. Oh, damn it! You're even better at naming it. Um, Let's get ready to expel all waste. So, the point is, um, we have we have these tiny dinosaurs, uh, the Psittacosaurus, which is uh, kind of a dog-sized. Um, like maybe a medium-sized, dog-sized dinosaur. And uh, they're in whatever that family is, like T-Rex, where they're bipedal, but the front legs, I mean, they're hanging down, but they don't actually walk on them. Um, and they've got the big old tail that balances, blah, blah, blah. So we've got these dog si- dog-sized dinosaurs uh, from 120 million years ago. I don't know. And they found a fossil of these dudes that the fossil preserved the texture and pattern of the skin as well as somehow preserving pigmentation of the skin. Uh, and these, this is, this is super exciting. I mean, like if you're into paleontology, if you're into dinosaur fossils at all, this is super exciting. This is something that you just don't see, um, especially in a fossil that old. And in reconstructing what this dinosaur looked like, what its skin would have looked like, they noted that they had a fully, um, a, a full representation of the cloaca, or at least the cloacal vent, the exterior opening of the cloaca uh, on this dinosaur. Their their all-purpose waste organ uh, at the back there, the dinosaur butthole, as the title of the article says. And they also noticed another that, good name for a band. Yeah. Oh my God, dinosaur butthole would be a great name for a band. And we are dinosaur butthole. Exactly, and then and then like like you're, the 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 kick drum where uh-huh. they have the logo is just like a close up of a green tinted butthole. Yeah, well, the, here here's the artist or rendering. just like or just like a green asterisk. Here's the artist rendering 
of the dinosaur clothes. I, I, I've seen the image. Yeah. And, uh, uh, speaking of your fetish porn. Stop that. <laughs> okay. No, no, you're right. We've already settled that I can't win this. So, um, anyway, they noticed that the cloaca, uh, the clo- cloacal vent on these dinosaurs was much more heavily pigmented, much darker than the rest of its right, skin. Right, and did, didn't they theorize that it was used to attract mates? Yes, and that's why... Uh, because dinosaurs like big butts, and they cannot lie. And that's why the artist's recreation of it here, the artist's rendering, uh, shows one dinosaur sniffing another dinosaur's butt. Look, look, I, th- I think that they couldn't lie because they didn't have the intelligence to, to uh, you know, incorporate lying. I don't think they had the intelligence to have lying occur to them. So the fact that they liked Big Butts and could not lie, I think, are completely unrelated, but do assist in furthering each other. My whole point is uh, a bunch of nerd scientists are super excited about dinosaur buttholes, and uh, I'm completely on their side. This is really awesome. You should look these guys is, up. Is, is that side picture. their backside? Yes. I... Yes, that's exactly what I meant. Um, uh, my my next uh, science corner item, because uh, I have three of them, is all right. This one, the title, the headline here: uh, physicist is proposing a human populated mega satellite orbiting series, uh, which I coincidentally mentioned in the uh, uh, in the opening. Uh, Ceres being the only dwarf planet riding around in our asteroid belt. So it is a dwarf planet in between Mars and Jupiter, uh, the closest dwarf planet really? to Earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there was a dwarf planet in there. Yeah, well, Ceres has been... Uh, we've oh, yeah, Ceres, yes. Yeah, Ceres. Yeah, we've known about it for ever, and only recently have we officially... Well, recently, like 20 years ago when Pluto was demoted, we officially categorized it as a dwarf planet. Um, but we've always just known it. When I grew was growing up, it was known you, as you, the largest asteroid. Do you, do you think? Do you think Pluto's demotion came with a pay cut? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And yet but he's also not getting royalties for all the new science books either. And after we saw him demoted, um, we finally got pictures of him, and he's still keeping up the positive attitude. He's got the little heart there, and it's cute. He's pink, and there's a big heart on the surface of Pluto. Okay, so wait. Awesome. If it's not pizzas, then what did my very eager mother <laughs> buy nine of? Huh. That's a great... My very eager mother just... Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know the whole thing. No, neither do I. All right. Anyway, um... Bought nine. Nine what? Okay, I get you. Right. Um, anyway, so this guy is talking about why, why are we why are we proposing going to Mars? Why don't we go to something uh, a little more sustainable? And I, I think he proposed Ceres because it is the closest dwarf planet to us. I mean, Venus is inhospitable for us at the moment. Although, Does, there is another proposal for riding, riding around in the atmosphere of Venus in blimps. Mm-hmm. Um, or blimp-supported... Uh, Science station. Does Cirrus have enough gravity to hold an atmosphere? Oh my god, that that is the best. I did some calculations on of Ceres because Ceres has three percent of Earth's gravity. That's not great. Doesn't the Moon have more gravity than that? Yeah, the Moon has about sixteen percent. All right, so Ceres has enough gravity that you can walk around on it, but you got to walk carefully. Step too hard, and you're going to bounce a little bit. Uh, but you'd get used to it. But 
I mean, 3%, almost a jump could get you at escape velocity. Well, here, here's my thought. If you're standing at... No, now, when I was a kid, I read a science fiction novel about uh, going to Mars. And from Mars, they would take the school field trip to the moons of Mars. And so uh, visit uh, uh, um, Deimos and Phobos. And one of them was small enough that if you threw a softball, you could put the softball in orbit from a standing position. Or the other one, if you weren't careful, a good flying leap would put you in orbit around it. But neither of them is big enough to be a dwarf planet. So um, Ceres is a little bit bigger than that. I can tell you which one of them is the most fun. That's good. So if you were standing on this table at one meter high, roughly... Would I be in orbit? No, no. If you're standing on this table... You could, on, in Earth's gravity, you can jump down relatively safely from one meter. You're not going to twist your ankle most times jumping down from this table, right? right. All right. Um, and even from about six feet, you'd probably be okay. Even from about six feet up, you'd still be pretty okay. Right. All right. So, if you were on the surface of Ceres, an equivalent jump where you would hit the ground with the same kind of impact would be the top of a 12-story building. Oh, Right, right. But I'm pretty sure I'd be in space. No. No, no, you wouldn't. Well, I mean, technically you would because there's no atmosphere on Ceres, so therefore... But, even but would, the I, would I be affected by Ceres' gravity? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to look up the orbit of Ceres real quick. Sure. And so, if you stand on top of a 12-story building on Ceres, you could look down and go, yeah, I can make that. And then you would jump down safely and, and uh, uh, hit with about the same impact as jumping off this table. So I just thought that was super cool. But then the other problem with it is the scientist was proposing going to Ceres because the low gravity actually makes it easier to um, to get things on and off of Ceres. Put things, he, he wants a big space station orbiting around Ceres, um, but then also have the option of actually landing on Ceres, doing things there. And he would even put the entire satellite would be connected to um, connected to the planet uh, by by one of those series uh, 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 just sitting in the asteroid belt. Yeah, sounds like it'd be dangerous to put anything there. No, sounds like a high chance of collision. But there's not when you're in the asteroid belt. If you if you put yourself at any random spot inside the asteroid belt, and you looked around, you probably would not be able to see another asteroid with your naked eye because they're just not. That I mean, like, well, I, I, there's I a know. lot more of them there than anywhere else, but there's just right, not a lot. Right. There are we okay from Earth. We have identified something like two thousand asteroid-like objects. Sure, whatever it is, five hundred of those are close Earth objects. Yeah, and they're a problem. They're not a problem. Every every year we come up with a... What about the one that broke up in orbit over Russia, didn't hit the ground, but caused millions of dollars in damages? Because we couldn't see it coming because it was on the sun side of the Earth. You know what? Yes, we have to worry about that. We have people that we pay to so worry what, about what that. So what I'm saying is, but, if, there, if, if 500 objects we know of near Earth is bad... What about the 1,500 near in Cirrus's orbit? I don't know. Let me, let me just admit that I am not... That, as far as I know, it sounds like a bad idea. Nah, it's not. It is honestly uh, moving around the asteroid belt. 
uh, is not as dangerous as uh, Han Solo makes it look when he's hiding in the... Well, I know that, but so, I'm talking about, over the course of years, the amount of impacts to Cirrus. Yeah, but it's. I, I'm just, I'm telling you, I am... I am aware that it is not as serious as all that, but I also... It's not as serious as that? I'm also taking that on faith, because I think I've read that, but I don't have evidence to back it up, so therefore I can't argue. Um, much like... What do you have knowledge on that you can argue Much like Stormcloaks, I have nothing I can say here. Uh, but my point Stormcloak is... Stormcloaks shouldn't say anything ever. My problem with this, with this guy and his space station he wants to put around Ceres, which... Um, again, that was space elevator was the word I was looking for. He wants to connect the satellite to the planet's surface with a space elevator, which well, we can actually build on series. We can't do it here on Earth yet because so then we'll have a we don't have the planet baseball bat to yeah. deflect all those asteroids. We could do it there. And while this would be super cool, it's already like we have to wait for the right opening window to get to Mars, and even then, it's a three-year round trip to uh-huh. get to Mars and back. And series is. Further away, like, I don't know, twice as far as Mars? Almost twice as far? Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking a real serious jump there. I mean, I'm going to guess, just off the top of my head, I'm going to guess it's like six to ten years round trip. Um, that seems a little more uh, a little more ambitious than Mars. I still think Mars is a stupid idea. But, oh yeah, look. You think Mars is stupid? Well, I think Mars is a, is a great planet to get to eventually for people, and I'm glad we're out there exploring it with our robots and mm-hmm. stuff. But but we need to quit talking about sending people to Mars right now. And work on fixing Earth. No, no. Earth's a lost cause. No, we can work... We, no, I'm kidding. We can work on Earth and space at the same time. No, my thought is, if we want to develop space colonies, space flight, sustained presence in space, then we need to start with a permanently manned 1,000 person space station on the moon. First in orbit around the Earth, but then also on the moon. I think both of those things need to be done. Mm-hmm. Because we need to prove that we can survive in space long term because there's there's a radiation problem that we have to overcome. And even being in orbit around the Earth, we still have some protection from Earth's magnetosphere. So therefore... Like, we'd need to put something in orbit around the moon, or something even better. Here's here's my favorite idea. Let's park a space station at one of Earth's Lagrange points. So You say park like it's not hurtling through space at a bajillion miles right. an okay, hour. Okay, 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 but here, here's the thing. You take L1 or L2 for Lagrange points, it's on Earth's orbit, going around the sun, except you're either 60 degrees directly behind the Earth, or 60 degrees directly in front of the Earth, and if you park it at one of those Lagrange points, literally the balance between the Earth and the Sun and that Lagrange point means you have takes very little energy to keep yourself just right there, and you'll just keep following the Earth mm-hmm. around the Sun. It's fantastic. But again, I don't think park is the right word. Oh, it is for me. I love that. I love the idea. Because there's if you look at the Lagrange points of can Jupiter... I, can, I, can I parallel park my space station into a Lagrange point? Look, look at the Lagrange points of Jupiter, 60 degrees in front of and behind Jupiter, and there's shit that just floats uh, there. Oh, we need to take a pause. Oh, shoot. Oh, man, I was getting excited, too. Okay, look, in spite of the interruption, the whole point is, if you go to Jupiter and you put something at the Lagrange points... No, you don't get stupider. You go to the Lagrange points... 
ahead of and behind Jupiter, and there's just stuff just hanging out there, like asteroids and and wandering pieces of debris that have they're, just they're collected hiding. there. They're like little it's mobile ju- mobile junkyards. It's Jupiter's blind spot, okay? Yeah, it won't eat them if they hide there. <laughs> it doesn't know to wipe there. That's all Oof. I'm saying. So wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you, are you claiming that Lagrange points are planet buttholes? We call with, them cloacas with, with licking but, anus and yeah. dinosaur. Is this the, is this the butthole episode? Yeah, we have a theme. So anyway, um, anyway, I I think this uh, guy is off of his nut, and someone just made it a headline because uh, uh, it sounded really cool. But man, it sparks interesting conversation. There's lots mm-hmm. of cool stuff out there. So uh, last thing, um, have you seen CubeSats? Okay, CubeSats. They are cube satellites. And they are literally, yes. literally these cubes that they they you have to carry them up there on something else, but then they get thrown out into orbit, and then these things can do science out there. And you can kind of put them together. Um, you can put up to like six modules cubes together um, and get them out there. And uh, the thing that got me is they were talking about all these different things that CubeSats can do, the different type of instruments they can put in, different kinds of science they can do with the different uh, places that they can put them into orbit. And they talked about putting a CubeSat out there that could ride out to the outer edges of the solar system using a solar sail. And when they talked about doing it, they said from one of these little tiny cubes, like I'm picturing a Rubik's Cube going up there into orbit, because when they said when you get six of them put together, it winds up being about the size of a cereal box. So if you can imagine, that's how big the cube is. When it gets out there and it deploys its solar sail, the solar sail winds up unfolding to the size of a tennis court. And I'm like, that to me is impressive as uh-huh. shit. That that kind of microfiber thing that uh, anyway. Have you ever seen those things unfold? It's crazy. No, looking. I've never watched one. It's I've never gotten to see the process. Looking. I should look up a video afterwards. Because um, cause for for the square ones, it just starts unfolding. Like, okay, it has to be done, right? Yeah. Well, then the circle ones, they fold it up like an aperture. And it just unfolds in all directions at once. That's cool. And it just looks so cool. All right, anyway, I, I just saw a bunch of interesting space stuff this week. Uh, and the, you know how that tickles me. I mean, so. aren't we all just interesting space stuff? You, know, you just take up space. So, oh. oh, wait. Now it's time for the pod Omatic. Hot dog. This is the Nerd Pride Radio pod Omatic. the end of every cast, we bring out R2 and his fully pimped out pod matic bubble. And he rolls up random topics for us to talk about. And where do these topics come from, you ask? Well, that is where you guys come in. You want to hear us hey, on about something? You send your question or topic to us by email or, better yet, in a private message on my forums at nerdprideradio.com slash babble. We will add it to the Podomatic list because Podomatic is about whatever what you, you want it to be. Whew. And that first number is 43. And somebody didn't bother to open up the Podomatic list. It's like old times. Well, it's weird. Well, that's uh, it, I have learned my lesson. I will not leave you in charge of this anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, because you let me touch the computer a whole bunch, huh? I'm just saying that had you been doing your job, we would be looking at this already. Uh-huh. So, sure now, uh, we are at number 43 on this list that has been open this entire time, and I'm not stalling. Ah, uh, yes, is. my familiar that's been here this entire time. 
And there are I watch I watch that every week happen in real time, and it is beautiful. What? The the the. Oh yeah, I have a raven with me. <laughs> a raven who I can see through their eyeballs. Uh-huh. I do love that. Um, this one is from Lisa. And Lisa says, if we were going to play hide-and-seek right now, where would you hide? Uh, right now? Yeah. Hide in the attic. Nice. You and Hobo Steve? Yeah. All right, very you cool. You see that he's on your Hulu now. I saw that Hobo Steve has a... Uh, has a profile made on my Hulu. I mean, are you okay with that? He mostly watches a lot of anime. Does so, he? Would not I, have expected that. Of no, him. I haven't looked at his profile. I don't hey, know what he watches. Tell, tell me, is this a fever dream? Is is in Hobo Steve lore? Did, did, isn't he gay? No. I could swear. I mean, okay. To be fair. To be fair. Hobo Steve might be gay. The topic of his sexuality has never come up because okay. it's none of our business. Okay, because I, I I thought we I thought someone had said something, so I was just making sure. No, as far as I'm aware, look, I, I just need to know who's my allies, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, if I were to be playing hide and seek right now, I would be hiding probably in the garage. From here, I would duck out into the garage, and then I would look up and I would. Try and figure out a way that I can climb up into the rafters. Ooh, that's good. Right, and then I would realize that I don't have a ladder in there, and I'm too fat to do that. So then I would just hide behind a bunch of junk in the garage. Yeah, but it's cleaner now, so that'd be a little more difficult. Right, but it would be easier for me to climb over back behind the bicycles. And, you know, if you hide behind the bicycles and just, like, pull up a a, a random can or, or tarp or something there, you can kind of cover yourself. That's what, 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 what I mean, are you sure you want to hide with the dead possum and the bags of dog poop? All right. A, we cleaned up all of your bags of dog poop. <laughs> How do you know they were dog poop? Because when Aiden was younger... <laughs> I was hoping you'd tell the story. Yeah. Um, the dog, there was a while that uh, house training was a problem, and, and so we had a problem with uh, uh, the dog pooping in the kitchen. And so... Whenever it happened, it'd be like, Aiden, you didn't get the dog out. This is on you. You need to get the... And I mean, we did this to all the kids. They all had to do that. But we're pretty sure it was Aiden who would then bag up the dog poop. And instead, You're only pretty sure it's me because I, I fessed up. Right. And instead of carrying it outside to the garbage can outside... It was cause winter. Because you, you can't throw it away inside because it's dog poop, for God's sake. And so he, we would tell him he has to take it outside to the garbage can out back. But, you know... There's snow on the ground, so instead he would open the gar- the door from the kitchen to the garage. He'd have the bag tied off in a knot, and then he would just whip it into the corner so it would fall behind the lumber and other stuff back there. Sometimes he missed, and it would go over, you know, to towards the tool bins, or sometimes it would... Well, you know, we didn't give that garage a thorough cleaning until Aiden was moved out of the house. Like for a good year and a half, two years. Yeah, easily. And, uh... And then we kept finding all these bags, and we're like, what the hell? Oh, my God, this is dog. Aiden! Oh, my God. And then sure enough, we confront him. He's like, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> so Again, how do you know it's dog poop? So Because it tastes like dog poop. How do you know I didn't have a healthy diet of kibble? So, um, no, the dog poop was all cleaned up, and the possum... I never, as far as I know, never took up permanent residence in our garage, but it did freak you guys out that oh, one yeah. day. So, um, but either way, I'd probably get caught no matter where I'm hiding in hide and seek. So, 
I mean, unless you're hiding in a tree while half drunk. Yeah, well, that was that was your uncle Brooke who was drunk in a tree during hide and seek, <laughs> and the tree was specifically listed as out of bounds. So Brooke is a cheater. That's what the problem is. Um, <laughs> that is uh, ninety-eight. Oh, ninety-eight. Good. I forgot we were doing something. And I, also, something about that, uh, my that campaigns. is also hold on. That this is going to be the last one because uh, we've got some stuff to get to in listener betrayal. Okay. Uh, something about something about my campaign is I have recently incorporated what I call reality checks. Okay. If someone wants to do something creative or interesting, like I did my classic goblin in the middle of the road demanding a toll bit, mm-hmm. which can end a hundred different ways. So even if a player has seen this bit before, they don't know how this is going to go. Well, this time they paid the toll, not even checking his bluff. Because there might be goblins with bows and arrows in the trees. There might not be. So they paid their toll and began walking along. And then the goblins said, FIRE! And so they got riddled with arrows anyway. Aww. And John wanted to grab the goblin leader and hold him up as a shield. Yeah, that's awesome. So I said, okay, roll me a reality check. And so he rolled percentile. Uh, He rolled 49, which is just a little lower than I wanted it. So I'm like... You go for it, but he's gonna whip your wrist with the back of his uh-huh. with the back of his horse chopper. Alright. Nifty. So just 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 letting your players do creative things like that is just so much fun. I dig that. Um ninety-eight is from Ronster. Ronster says the biggest US automaker has decided by drawing that you may each name a car, and that name will be used. Regardless. So name it. Well, it depends on which U.S. automaker, because, you know, if I'm going to say the Ford whatever, that's different from the GMC whatever. But um, I'm I'm going to go with the uh, the Bodie McBoatface. Hmm. Um, I mean, you go with something like, uh, like the Ford Harrison. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, th- I literally I thought you were going to go with Ford Prefect, which is uh, a major character from uh, from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He's Arthur's best friend uh. in Hitchhiker's Guide, and Ford Prefect got his name through uh, because he accidentally misidentified the dominant species on the face of the Earth, which then leads me to believe that oh, was Prefect a model of Ford sold in England? They actually have a car named the Prefect? That seems weird. Did they? I have no idea. I've never looked it up. I assume so. so well, That's where on, I thought you were going. On, so. on, to, on to looking that up. Okay, well, while you're doing that, we will move along. Oh. And it is now time to... There we go. Yeah. 62. 62 is from Jacob. I think you know Jacob. Jacob says... Uh, would you rather fight 20 fairy-sized owlbears or one owlbear-sized fairy? Uh, one owlbear-sized fairy. Really? You think you can take him? It's just a giant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that That's a hundred basically house cats. It's a magical flying giant. I've dealt with worse. 
but because look, go, going back to the um, oh hey look, it's a 1948 Ford Prefect. Wow, sold in the UK and Australia. All right, how about that? Um, here's the thing: the, the classic question is the uh, uh, the whole slew of duck-sized horses or the one horse-sized duck. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I do the duck-sized horses. Because horses are not carnivorous right. or terribly aggressive. Right. right. But ducks. Right. Because, right. Have you ever fought a duck? They're terrible. Right. right. So what I'm saying is a owlbear-sized fairy would be far less horrendous to fight than so a hundred. So you're, so you're, think, you're thinking it was 20 fairy-sized owlbears. You're thinking they would be vicious enough that, you know, all right, you know what? I may give that to you. I think... Hold on, you've, you'll, you've I'm, changed I'm, my I'm, mind. I'm going. I'm opening my bestiary quick to check out the exact size classification of an owl bear. Oh, it's large. It is large, and a fairy falls under. Go ahead. Good radio. Uh, the, I cannot find what I'm. Pixie. That's what. Yeah, I'm Pixie. Pixie. They Pixie's... classify as tiny. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, tiny is is like a foot tall. Like like a cat. Yeah, but still, that is a cat equivalent of a, foot, a bear. Well, okay, if if you think five foot for five to six foot for humans, two and a half to three feet for small for small, that means tiny could be up to a foot and a half. I mean, you could be, you be again. That's again, that's a scary owl bear. Like like a cat with the musculature of a bear. Right? No, I'm I am giving it to you. you Do it, boy. You know what? That's why GLaDOS is going to give us a recap. Hold on, real quick, real quick. What? I have an idea for my campaigns. If any of you can hear me, be prepared. (laughs) Uh, Alright, anyway. Now can I give it over to GLaDOS? Yes, absolutely. And she will give us a recap of this week's episode so far. Remember when the platform was sliding into the fire pit and I said goodbye, and you were like, No way. And then I was all, we pretended we were going to murder you. That was great. This podcast is copyright 2020-2021. Ha should change that. By Nerd Pride Radio, the opening and closing theme is Death Metal Disco by Ian Cronk, as performed by Black Dove Underground. Did you buy a milk crate from Menards? No. We got that milk crate from Menards from your... It's actually not even from Menards. It came from your grandmother who got it from your Aunt Jenny. Is it new? Uh, yeah, we just brought it into the house today because we were carrying a bunch of sausage in Okay, because I just bought some really cheap milk crates from Menards. Oh, oh, And oh. it looks identical. There you go. Um, our bumper music this week is Weezer's In the Garage and She Blinded Me With Science as performed by William Shatner. Uh, all the songs I use are available on a variety of music services. Check them out, listen to them, buy them, enjoy them. I wouldn't put them in my podcast if I didn't love them. If you want to help out Nerd Pride, subscribe to this podcast from whatever podcatcher you use. Write us a nice review or a shitty review, as long as it's got five stars on it, because that's what makes all the difference to the algorithm. You want to do something super nice for this podcast? Oh, recommend it to your friends, because you're enjoying it. I know you are. You tell me about it all the time. Well, some of you do. So spread the word. Let other people enjoy it as well. Word of mouth is my bread and butter, people. Oh, my contact information. Mike at nerdprideradio.com. Social medias I never check, but to be completely honest, seriously, best way to talk to me is come sign up for my forums at nerdprideradio.com slash babble. Sign up, send me a message. We will hang out together 
we'll become best friends in the world. We'll have fun. Finally, the moment you've all been waiting for, it is time for Listener Betrayal. Because before we start recording every podcast, we send out to uh, people on our Platinum and Gallium Club member lists. On, on our respective shiny metal lists. And we say, hey dudes, we are recording right now. Anything you say will be read off at the end of this podcast. And that is what we are doing right now. Uh, do you want to go first? Or uh, like me to I go actually first? you go first. But you uh, said, did, did a lot of people respond this week. I don't know, I got two. Did you? No, I got more than that. I was going to say, like, I got a lot of responses this week, and I truly appreciate it, people. Very cool. I don't know how many I have. Let's take a look. Uh, we're going to start off with... Ooh, I have one from Aiden. A- All right, I sent out and said, We are Nerd Pride. We are recording. Talk about anything, but also, talk about the most recent TV. I- I'm sorry. It's We Are Nerd Pride. We are recording! Yeah, it's all caps. Yeah. Talk about the most recent TV series, author, movie, and or musical artist you've been excited to discover. And Aiden responded and said, no more heroes. Now, I have a I have a thing to explain here, and I know that no more heroes is a video game. And that you didn't just discover it. No. But you rediscovered it. I rediscovered it, and I also remembered how much I love that game's soundtrack and realized... Now that I'm not 12 years old, I have a place where I can save music. So now I can now listen to, whenever I want, the No More Heroes soundtrack. Oh, nice. That is very cool. Right, and also, real quick, um, because I said I, I would be getting back to WandaVision in the, uh, in the Listener Betrayal segment. Yeah, look, that's my answer for uh, the most recent TV series that I've discovered. WandaVision. WandaVision. Oh. So good. Like, there are four episodes in now. The first episode opens with Wanda and Vision starring in the Dick Van Dyke show. And it is crazy. Uh, I'm hooked. I really love this thing. I'm going to watch them all again because I'm going to force Lisa to watch them with me. So uh, it's going to be great. Um, Let's see. Um, Author. Author. What authors have I recently discovered? I don't think recently anybody. Um... Movie, I've got nothing. Musical artist, ooh, Grandson. I have been so into Grandson lately. I love this guy. Great stuff. Um, But anyway, look, enough about me. Maybe other people will talk about stuff and we can comment. So that was Aiden said no more heroes. Ooh, Garrett. Garrett said, I would say the Vikings TV series is the one I have been most excited to watch. I have not seen any of Vikings yet. Uh, I've known about it for a while, but I haven't really been interested in it at all until just very recently. Ah, well, good for you, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I have, I've seen it. It seems like the sort of thing I would enjoy watching. I haven't watched um, it. Unrelated to Lizard of Betrayal, I've received an image from a friend of mine, and I'd like you to tell me how you think of this image. Um, what? That is an advertisement inside of closed captioning. That is crazy. Open Subtitles recommends using NordVPN for three forty nine a month. 
That's crazy. Over The Hobbit. The 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 subtitle No. Over Lord of the Rings. The okay, you're right. It, they are hobbits. It is the Lord of the Rings movie. Um is and I don't know which one, but probably Fellowship. So um the uh oh god, okay. Jacob sent me a cut of did he send this to you too? Sent me a cut of the Lord of the Rings, except Yes! I have seen all of it. Except every time they take a step. Every time Sam takes a step, it's the furthest from the Shire he's ever been. And so every time he, every time Sam takes a step away from the Shire, they replay the segment of them in the wheat field where Sam says, this is the furthest I've ever been from the Shire. And it takes for freaking ever. It takes it ten, 10 hours and something I just to play seen, the first movie. I have seen all of it. That is ridiculous. It is it is grotesque. I have seen more of that wheat field than I'd like to admit. Oh my god, it's terrible. Uh, anyway, um, I think I had another point I was going to make, but I can't remember what it was because I got so sidetracked. All right. Um, oh, hey, Kaz replied. Good. Hey, Kaz. Kaz. Uh, first, big shout out to anyone who helped take a swing at Melvin Capital as they tried to kill GameStop. The amount ah, of scrutiny this yes. has brought to the financial raiders might make the world a better place. Yeah, it, look, it might. Um, because, all right, A, I think most of the little guys who who participated in this and made such a stand and affected this, this wild chaos, um, I think most of them are going to wind up losing their shirts and it's going to suck for them mm-hmm. uh, in the end. And I also think that the most likely outcome when all of this is said and done is that uh, big money venture capitalists will be able to lobby the government to create laws that help little uh, prevent little guys from ever being able to do this again while creating virtually no extra limitations for hedge funds that manipulate the market all the time. Right. I think ultimately it is going to be this fear of chaos in the market. Fear of instability is going to, is going to drive them to, to, uh, um, further quash the little guy. I hope. I hope this is an eye opener that leads to greater change. But my experience in the last fifty years does not give me um, give me reason to think that that is the most likely outcome. I hope it's what happens. Look, I also didn't think that uh, that the Democrats would be able to pull off Georgia, and they did. So you know, I'm I'm happy to be wrong sometimes. Uh, but yes, I'm with you. I hope it makes some change. All right. Second, while she not, might not be new to everyone, I really like Dua Lipa. I, I also like Dua Lipa. She's, I, I, you don't know Dua Lipa? Oh, she's a pop star. She's okay. singer. Look her up. Um, she's cute as a button. Um, he says, I am a disco boy at heart. Are you? Really? I have never thought of Kaz the Muppet as a disco boy, but I will I will allow that. If that's how you identify, dude, more power to you. Um, that That's really exciting. Uh, and anytime someone manages to get a disco call into a song, I'm happy to hear it. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah, Dua Lipa has... Um, I don't know how many, how many of her songs I've actually added to my playlists. Maybe one, two... Uh, but I've heard plenty of Dua Lipa stuff, and she's all right. I like her. Um, 
All right, next is, oh, it's Dave. Hi, Hi Dave. Dave. Dave says, The Expanse, book or TV series. Oh, cool. You know what? The Expanse keeps showing up on my TV list, and I haven't yet broken down to watch it, but I, I know it's only a matter of time for me because even Jeff Hawes raves about it, and Jeff Hawes hates everything. So, um, so if it's on the Hawes list, it's probably worth giving a shot. Um, oh, Dave continues. Awesome, quasi-realistic sci-fi, super interesting characters. Amos Burton is one of my favorite characters ever. He's got layers of depth that we're only starting to understand. He seems like a psychopath, but there are reasons. And he's actually got a heart and soul. It's starting to come out. Very cool. Good response, dude. And then he says, uh, so, uh, Godball? You know what? Will you quit hounding me? I am trying, all right? I am doing my... Oh, no, you just want me to talk about it. Okay, never mind. Um, Godball is awesome. Yeah, how's it going? Okay. Here's the thing. Dave came up with the idea a little while ago. Where he said, he said, hey, you know, we keep talking about how in the expansions we're going to expand out to other pantheons and, you know, not just do Greek gods, but we'll do other stuff later. He says, what if for diversity's sake, instead of waiting for diversity, why don't we just do it right now? And instead of doing all Greek gods, why don't we do... The handsome monkey king? That is one of our top contenders, dude. Yeah! Monkey king is right up there. Um, and so he says, why not go with a diversity of gods right away? And the first thought I had was, well, yes, that would be awesome. And then my second thought is, oh, crap, is this just another way for us to sidetrack onto another uh, bunch of research and rewriting so that we don't have to actually finish the game? Maybe. Um, Are you going to have to commission Slaff for more uh, art? It, that has changed. Has um, it? Yeah, we've gotten to the point where um, we actually just had this conversation that, that the art that we paid for from Slaff was beautiful it's awesome we paid for a bunch of essentially we paid for um a series of really quality sketches that fleshed out our world and gave the the game a personality that it had been lacking and it really drove us and inspired us um ultimately even if we stuck with the greek theme ultimately our goal is to sell it to some game publisher we're not going to be doing it ourselves and thus wherever it winds up going New art will be commissioned, and new things will be done with it, and uh-huh. Slaz art will probably not make it into the final cut anyway. Um, not for a lack of quality, but just because we're hoping to have someone else publish it, and they're not going to be contracting with her right. for the final product. Um, but, having said all of that, um, where we're going with it is, when, once we started fleshing it out, it turned out that uh, writing up the all right, and I, I say this. Be, Dave has done all the work for writing up new gods. Like I've given some ideas, we've hashed stuff out and talked back and forth, but he's actually done the real work of creating these new decks and making things work. Um, but from what he tells me, they're not as difficult to crank out as as they used to be. Like we've gotten a lot of practice at this. And so rewriting it and putting in new gods and new heroes is not that big a is not as huge a chore as it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And and uh, here uh, I'm sorry for those of you who aren't familiar with Godball, it's a game that Dave and I have been designing for the last four years, and we're very excited has it been about four years. Yeah, yeah, it has. Oh my and, gosh! And uh, um, anyway, um, 
so if we go with with this new set, that part's not bad. And we've tried playing with some different gods. Um, Sedna from uh, Inuit mythology. Uh, Sedna being the monster goddess of the deep oceans. and uh, the, the Inuit goddess of the yeah. deep oceans. Yeah, well, but she is also... In, in their myth, she is a monster. Oh, yeah, and also her fingers make seals. Right, yes. When you chop her fingers off, they turn into seals and whales and stuff. Um, and so we've got Sedna, and then he also drew up uh, Coyote from uh, various Native American myths. Uh, I think our version is specifically going to be Sue. Um, uh, but if, if, if you're looking at Inuit gods, uh, Inga and Ganingan would be really good ones to do. Oh? Uh, they are the sun and moon. Oh, nice, nice. Well, we're 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 gonna try. We're gonna do one Greek god. We're gonna do Sedna, Coyote, uh, probably the Monkey King. But there's a couple other Chinese gods that might um, fit in there. But the Monkey King's the most fun. I I really would like to do uh, Papa Legba from uh, from uh, Voodoo from Louisiana Voodoo, but. This is this is where our problem is, is that even with Coyote, uh, all of these are potentially living religions where, um, in fact, every religion is technically a living religion because you can still find practitioners of, uh, you know, following the Norse gods or the, the Greek and Roman gods uh, in different parts of the world. Most, most of the time, these are revived religions uh, where people have, have recreated the practice. Um, but in some cases, these are people who have been practicing uh, peoples who have been practicing these religions uh, for a long time uh, and have never stopped. And so, therefore, <clears throat> something like Coyote is relatively safe because Coyote is already part of greater media and mythology, and it's not. If, if, if you want to do a deep dive into nerd culture, you could put Zoltan in there. I could put Zoltan in there, but I won't. Um, <laughs> So we, we have to be sensitive about these things, and the added restriction for us is that before we could publish anything like this, we would want to be consulting with, um, you know, for Sedna and Coyote, we would like to consult with at least one or two people who are experts in uh, Native American mythology and Native American culture and, and I mean, talk about how, how do we approach this in a way that is going to be culturally sensitive right. that we're not... Why not just throw Yahweh in there? Well, see, that's... That's where things go. We're we're avoiding monotheistic religions, uh, even when those monotheistic religions have other sub gods or god aspects or weird. Stuff. Anyway, it's a weird balancing act. But okay, so you could do Jesus. All of that digression aside, what we found out in playing Coyote and Sedna uh, versus Athena—that was our last game. Coyote, Sedna, and Athena—is that is that there's a lot more personality in the gods now. Rather than, because the Greek gods all felt like you're playing just, all right, they're all Greek gods, and now you're just playing different aspects of this same culture and pantheon. Whereas when we're playing Coyote, oh, Coyote was the greatest. His his whole skill set, his whole powers set. I mean, like, like Coyote's thing is that usually he does stuff that lets him win in the end, but he also tends to hurt himself a lot along the way. And so he has one card that's called Coyote Eats the Grasshopper from an original myth where Coyote ate a grasshopper. And he winds up 
in with this card, you play Coyote Eats the Grasshopper, and now your hero winds up bouncing over here, and then you plant down some terrain. And then you bounce over there, and you plant some terrain. And then you make one last bounce, and you get... So you've moved all this distance. Oh, but now you're knocked down, so you lose the ball. And, uh, and so, and it was just the way it played out on the field, fantastic. It was a lot of fun. So we really like the flavor. We like where it's going. It's going to be some extra work to make sure that we're doing it right. But it's made the game better. And I'm actually right now in the process of rewriting the rule book from scratch uh, and, and getting all those laid down because that's where we're getting to. Um, okay, if, if we're talking about re- religious deities and you don't want to upset any monotheistic people, does Scientologists count as people? Scientologists also don't have multiple gods that we can be placing out there either. Right, but 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 they got like the one big evil alien man that I can't remember the name Let of. Let me guarantee you that we are not in any way, shape, or form going to put Scientology <laughs> into a published product. Because whether or not they have um, a real religion or real spirituality, what they do have... Is a lot of money and lawyers. Is copyrighted published works that we are not going to infringe on. Yeah, that's fair. Because they have lots of money and lawyers. What did you change around a couple letters? <laughs> that's right. Like Michael Mouse. No, no, no. This is this is Zeno with Zenu with two Zs at the beginning. This is totally different from Scientology. Um so <laughs> it's Zenu spelled Z E N O O. Uh so anyway, that was from Dave. Uh, next is... Ooh, wow, we were on that one for a while, huh? Talvin. Talvin says, Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk. Oh, I haven't even seen anything about that one. What is Resident Alien? Oh my god, you haven't heard about Resident Alien? No, what is it? It's a uh, dramedy about an alien doctor detective trying to just fit in. Oh my god, and it's got Alan Tudyk in it. You know why they call him Alan Tudyk. <laughs> That's right. You know why they call him Tudyks. Um, I love Alan Tudyk. So, uh, all right, cool. I will have to check that one out. I will also have to check that one out. What is that, Hulu? I have no idea. We'll find it. Um, Pat says, uh, WandaVision just finished episode four. Yeah, me too, dude. Oh my god, episode four. It's the greatest. Oh, I can't. Episode I can't. four, A New Hope? I can't even tell you why it's so good because everybody involved has to watch it. You have to watch it, and no spoilers. And look, did did you keep up with the Marvel Universe through all of the movies? I'm, if you're listening here, you've probably seen most of the Marvel movies, if not all of them. But even if you didn't, even if you didn't, Disney Plus has been nice enough to give the uh, what Legends series, where they basically give you like a seven-minute refresher on here's who vision is a seven minute refresher on oh hey this is what wanda is and i'm guessing for all of their marvel tv shows they're going to give this Legends series an extra refresher on all the new heroes coming up there's also a netflix series starring nicholas cage called the history of curse words high recommend i have seen that that is there i have not watched it yet i can only imagine that it made you very happy so uh, WandaVision is so good. Um, let's see. Oh, 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 oh. Here's from my wife. My wife. And my wife says, okay, for TV, uh, totally brainless stuff like Bridgerton and Zoe's Infinite Playlist. 
the more I think it's always extraordinary playlist. In, I keep, I always get that backwards. I can't remember which one it is. Um, the more stressful the month, the more light and fluffy I need my TV. Yeah, that's about mm-hmm. the truth. In addition to uh, WandaVision, um, I also watched the new season of Disenchantment. Which There's a new season? Yeah. And it turns out that as much as this show has disappointed me in the first two seasons because I keep expecting it to be either Simpsons or Futurama and it is neither. You know, he he literally said he wants this to be unlike his other projects. Yeah, it's it, it's humorous, but it's not hu- it it reminds me of It's telling more of a story than the other two. Yeah, have you watched the uh um um oh, fudge I am just completely drawing a blank. The what's the Star Trek ripoff? Um, the Futurama? No. <laughs> the the Orville? Orville. God, I couldn't. I kept wanting to say Oliver, and I knew that was wrong. Uh, anyway, have you seen the Orville? I have not seen the Orville. I've heard it's a lot of Seth MacFarlane doing Seth MacFarlane. No, 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 no. The first few episodes are a little rough. But then he gets into his stride, and the Orville is the best Star Trek series ever made. It's just, it's great. It is really, really good. Like, it's cheesier sets than modern Star Trek series are, um, but still pretty good. And and some things are a little bit simplistic, but he does really well with it and uh, and tells some really good stories. And I've had a lot of fun with the Orville. Um, and so Disenchantment feels like that. It feels like a knockoff of another genre where the Orville, I think where the Orville got better is where it stopped trying to make jokes all the time. And it just, admitted that, that, it was, that, that's where I heard that was Seth MacFarlane doing Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Cause in the beginning they, they had to, to make it a parody and thus not get sued by Star Trek. They had to throw in regular jokes. Um, and then they kind of gave up on the jokes in later episodes and just they're just telling a sci-fi story. I mean, it's still kind of humorous, still absurd situations uh-huh. and more human and that kind of thing. But, um, that's so what wait, disenchantment wait, 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 is. Wait. It's, it's a better Star Trek than galaxy. No, 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 no. Galaxy quest. Isn't a series. Galaxy quest is just a show. Galaxy quest is the greatest Star Trek movie ever made. The Orville is the best Star Trek series ever made. Okay. That's my opinion. All right. But Disenchantment feels like, you know what, maybe, if because now that the story is getting more serious, I like the story, and you know what, you, you can quit trying to make me laugh. I mean, some of them are cute, but you don't have to, you don't have to make jokes at everything. You can just tell me a story, and I like it. And it's, it's so weird. So season three has gotten to where it's, it's started to entertain me. It's, it's odd to see an artist go from non-serial to serial. Right. Because well, no, no, from... Yeah, this is non-serial. Uh, well, serial. I yes, episodic to serial. That's you're right. Yes. You you were right. Because most times that I've seen is that a lot of artists and creators who do serial find it to be so much more work and feel more comfortable sitting in episodic. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see that Matt Groening has found a project that he really really enjoys. Yeah, it's and it. Like I say, it's not it's not uh, high television. It's not oh, no. it's not big art at this moment, but it has gotten better. And was I'm Futurama really... big art? 
No, but Futurama was great. Futurama is a masterpiece. So, anyway, uh, I'm done. Oh, oh, wait, 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 no. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, I have not watched Bridgerton with my wife, uh, but I have my wife and Yancey. My wife. And Yancey and a couple of friends of mine have all watched Bridgerton. And it's uh, it's a bodice ripper historical romance uh, with a good bit of uh, will there, won't they, and you know they will. And then there's some sex, and it's it's a historical romance. Um, that doesn't worry about historical accuracy. And, uh, yeah, it's just light, fun television from what I hear. But Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, this one is, again, it's it's light entertainment. Zoe has a tragic MRI accident that leaves her with the ability to uh, hear what's in people's heart expressed through huge musical numbers that no one else can see. And And it's a stupid premise for a show that takes itself way too seriously and... Half of the episodes are specifically designed to pull at your heartstrings and make you cry, and they often succeed. It's just a, it's a sweet, uh, it's light and sweet, but, you know, emotionally manipulative, and I like that. I enjoy watching the show. So there you go. Okay, now, now I'm done with my listener betrayal. Right, cool. Go ahead. Uh, I sent out, Howdy Platinum members, my dad and I are recording today, and if you'd like to say something or have us read anything, now is your chance. We will read anything you send us. Seriously, anything you type will be read off. This week's question, what fills you with nostalgia? Uh, the first one comes to us from Mike. Hi, Mike. Well, hi. Uh, he says, Coca-Cola Black. Coca-Cola Black. This is Black. This is Black. That's Black. Coca-Cola Black was a soda that was sold in 2008 here in the States, and it came in 8-ounce glass bottles, and it is a mixture of coffee and Coca-Cola in a bottle. Oh, no. How dare you? How dare you? It was Ambrosia. And then they quit selling it in the States, but they continued selling it in Europe, and I was heartbroken because I loved my Coke Black. Blah. And uh, and now... Now that I'm hearing what it is, it's more Coca-Cola black, isn't it? Now, a week ago, they started stocking in stores brand new Coca-Cola with coffee. Which, we were promised, was exactly what Coca-Cola black was, except now they've repackaged it instead of glass bottles. They do it in 12-ounce cans, and they call it Coca-Cola with coffee. And it comes in a bunch of different flavors. Um, and the original... Is it as good as you remember? The original Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola with coffee in the dark blend formula is exactly Coke Black. When I tasted Blah. it, it took me back a dozen years and I went, oh my god, it's so good. It's exactly like you, I you remember. You have a can in the fridge? But I'm just about to get up and go, you pull up, All right. you pull up your next question. All right. I am going to yeah. get you a Coca-Cola Black. Okay, okay. Do you want a whole can or you just want to try mine? I'll, I'll, I'll try a whole can. I, I ain't no pansy. All right. Uh, the next one comes to us from uh, Billy Bob. Ooh, Billy, hey, Bob, Billy Bob. Billy Bob says Crystal Wait Kevin. Wait a minute. Billy Bob's my friend. How does he wind up on your list? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, he says Crystal Pepsi. Ew. Ew. Dude, Crystal Pepsi? Crystal Pepsi's so good. Doesn't it just taste like Pepsi? Well, yeah, but it's clear. Can, it, also can you, ta- it actually tastes different. Can you cook with it? Are, are you trying to lead me into uh, <laughs> yes, I'm asking, the, the, the inevitable new segment? I'm asking you about the Mountain Dew cookbook. 
So we, we might run into a problem. What? Why? What? Save the Code Red brisket and the grilled steak. They all actually look good. They look like they might actually be good. Well, okay. Well, then we'll try the segment for a couple of times, and uh, and if all we're no, doing is... we're finishing the book. Well, but if it's just a, every week going, hey, wow, uh, we made those chicken nuggets with the watermelon mountain doing it. Turns out they're pretty damn good, too. It's, I mean, it's going to be, I am surprised how much Livewire has brought to this orange chicken. That's, your mom is actually kind of excited about trying the stuff that has Code Red in it. So, just try it. See? It's better than straight black coffee, I'll give it that. Right, it's, it, it's. Coffee-flavored Coke or Coke-flavored coffee. It's one of those two. Mm-hmm. But it's it, I really love this stuff. So uh, Coke's going back to putting stimulants in their drinks? Mm. Like heaven. Oh, so good. I, right. guess, I guess caffeine's always been in there. Yeah. Uh, the next one comes to us from Ryan. Oh, hey, Ryan. Ryan says, late 90s to early 2000 video game commercials. Oh! Oh! Speaking to my heart. Like, like the the old like Smash Bros commercials uh-huh. for like Melee. Uh huh. Oh my gosh. Who was Are You Ready? They they had they, that was their slogan was Are You Ready? I think it was a PlayStation Xbox it was one of those. But it was um, but it was literally they finally it was always Are You Ready? And they finally shortened it down to just the letter R, the letter U, and then a red E. Are you ready? Yeah. Can't remember who did that. Hold on. What? I'm looking it up. You have to look up Are You Ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's a religious organization in Pigeon, Michigan. No, that's... Uh, you know what? You, you... No, that's not... All right. Stop. You keep reading. I'll look it up. Uh, okay. You're you're doing listener betrayal. I'm the guy who can now reference Google. So. All right. Anyway, uh, back to it. The next one comes to us from Dom. Hey, Dom. Uh, he says, uh, to be honest, literally any time I hear someone complain about high school, that was shit was easy compared to now. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, man? See, no, Dom, Dom's having a hard time of it because uh, he lives in Alaska. But he's uh, down here. For the winter, because in his words, no way in hell I'm spending a winter in Alaska. So he, hey Dom, high school's so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Noah, who is currently in high school. Um, freshman. Anyway, but yeah, he's he's got a house he's building up there, and he's one of the hardest working people I know. Good on you, Dom. Nice. Uh, the next one comes to us from my mother. Hi, Mom. Uh, she says, pictures. That's why I'm always taking them to all my boy, to all my boys charging. Ch- chagrin. 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 God, I don't like that word. I never read it right <laughs> the first time. Chagrin. Charging. I, I don't chagrin those pictures. I mean, sometimes. What do you mean, chagrin? Ugh. Chagrin. Uh, you're, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one comes to us from Noah. 
Oh, hey. Yeah, I said Monster Hunter Trivids because those hit differently. They do. It brings me back because Monster Hunter Tri... One sec. The reason it's it's big for me is because, well, it's the first game I ever remember. Really? It takes you back to your childhood? Yes. You're still in your childhood. It takes me back to my very early childhood when See, I was like four. For me, Mo- you, you, you should hear this. Monster Hunter Tri was the first game that I never saw an ad for. Really? I never knew what it was. The only thing I knew about Monster Hunter was that I opened one of uh, Jacob's Nintendo powers to see a man with a fishing pole standing next to a massive crab claw. (laughs) Monster Hunter Tri, right below it. I'm like, I'm gonna play that. And I did, and for the last 15 years, I have been a Monster Hunter. Nice. What crab was the claw from? Uh, it's... Nothing that was in Monster Hunter Tri at the time. Ah. <laughs> nice. Um, and and you also had the uh, the sweet satisfaction of having Jacob make fun of you for Monster Hunter. <laughs> he, he made fun of me for so long. And I was also, it hasn't been 15 years. It's been more like eight. I mean, how old are you? Like 22? I was two years younger than you are now. So you would be 12. Yeah, so... 12 nearly... About 13. 11 years. Okay. So you'd be 12 nearly turning 13. But yeah, for, for the last 11 years, I have been a Monster Hunter and a veteran at that. And for the longest time, through 3, 3 Ultimate, and the beginning half of 4 Ultimate as I was playing them, Jacob made fun of me relentless for playing Monster Hunter. <laughs> Yes. And then he tried the games, and he's in love with them. He's been playing uh, Monster Hunter World with a friend lately, and both of them are just having a blast. Uh He sends me pictures like, I caught the rare monkey, I did it. (laughs) Look at that. Oh, so speak... Monster Hunter Tri came out 11 years ago. Did it? Yes. Oh, so, Ayn, speaking of Monster Hunters, I have a joke suit that I finally figured out what the pants are going to be. The bone pants? No. The, the gourmet chef pants. So right. I'm just wearing Alright, to, to, to explain. In every single Monster Hunter game, there is a suit called the Bone Armor. And the pants of this Bone Armor is literally shin guards and a thong, and that's it. <laughs> like Because you gotta cover your bone? Yeah. And so, whenever anyone's making a really hilarious suit, you always... Put on the bone pants. So I have oh. a I have a thing I have a suit and world that is the uh, bathhouse chest piece, which is just your bare chest, and then the bathhouse uh, bathhouse arms and feet. So no, sorry, bathhouse arms and belt. So I'm not wearing anything. There is no belt. Bo- bone pants. There is in world. Hmm. Uh, and then the bone pants. So I'm wearing a thong, and then my helmet is just a monkey on my head. <laughs> so it's- so I'm I'm a Almost naked man running around with a monkey on my head. And, and it is, fabulous boots. It is c'est magnifique. <laughs> nice. Monster Hunter brings people together. Yes, it does. Uh, next up is uh, from Garrett. Uh, he said, oh, hey, uh, Garrett. I would say s'mores. Ooh. Those don't just fill me with nostalgia. They fill me with s'mores. That's, all right, you know what? I like the answer, though, because... Um, when you asked the question, I was trying to think of foods that take me back, um, and that's how I came on the. But this is only this only takes me back twelve years. Um, the and, food that takes me back, uh-huh. 
is like old, really like the old school, really buttery, like Domino's breadsticks. Oh yeah. Before Domino's became really like stale and gross. Yeah. Cause, cause Domino's now is just not had the magic. Domino's has been struggling for years. They have continued to change up their formula. And... Uh-huh. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, next one's from Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Uh, he says, sitting in a Burger King booth. Oh. Nice. Uh, he says, it reminds me of the, my best D&D sessions. What fills you, what fills you with nostalgia? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the D&D, the Burger King booths that uh-huh. we had for D&D was, I mean, that, uh, yeah, that takes me back. What fills me with nostalgia is sitting in a basement with a bunch of friends playing video games. Right. When when we sat in the basement with a bunch of friends, we were in Burger King booths. Okay. <laughs> but no, like... <laughs> no, no lie. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things that whenever we would go to someone's house and hang out, it was always in the basement. Uh-huh. So we would always hang... So there was a time when, I think it was like a year ago, John decided, hey guys... My parents have allowed me to bring a bunch of friends up that way, and we'll just hang out in the basement like old times. And it was a blast. <laughs> I'm happy for you. That's awesome. Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, he continues on to say, And what nostalgic BS do other people blather about that you can't stand, other than Burger King booths? <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> wow. Now that Kingdom Hearts 3 is out... Everyone has been prattling on about how good Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 were, and they're not. They can barely follow a plot. Is Kingdom Hearts a portal, a moon, the source of all light, an evil thing? What is Kingdom Hearts? You never explain. Alright, look. I, I don't even, no, I, no, no, no. I, I don't even know enough about Kingdom Hearts to even start a fake debate. No, 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 no. Please, please. To the best of your knowledge, I want you to give me the synopsis of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Okay. Look, I, I'm i not real familiar with the property, but I'm pretty sure uh, Mickey Mouse is in the Darth Vader role. Is that? He is the king, yes. Okay. No, no. He's like... Darth Mickey, like lightsaber, the whole deal. Is that a? Yeah, I, I, yeah. See, I can't. No. I can't know. I literally have nowhere to go. Like the only thing I know about Kingdom Hearts is random splash graphics during their commercials that tell me absolutely nothing about gameplay. None of my kids have ever played this game in front of me. I have never watched any videos hey, of it. I have hey, seen the commercials. Hey, K- Kingdom Hearts ago. fan, do me a favor. And explain to me, if the king's a mouse, how is the princess a human? Wow, you're racist. Also, the scene in Kingdom Hearts 2, because I've played both. Uh-huh. They're both bad. But, <laughs> the scene in Kingdom Hearts 2, where Mickey Mouse looks the villain dead in the eye and says, You'll pay for this! Uh-huh. How am I supposed to take that seriously? Ah. <sighs> I don't, I don't get it. So, so when Mickey was the brave little tailor and giant killer, you didn't, your heart didn't go out to him? 
when he when he was being overrun by living mops and buckets as the sorcerer's apprentice you you didn't feel for him that is mickey mouse in his own properties not mickey mouse in a anime style final fantasy game what it is it is this serious anime people game and mickey mouse is also there and your main traveling companions are goofy and donald yeah i got nothing they talk all the time I got nothing, dude. It's the worst. All right, yeah. Somebody, somebody explain Kingdom Hearts to us. Yeah, please, Pat. Pat do the, do do us a favor. Tell us about Kingdom Hearts. Uh, either Sam or John. I need an essay written so that I can read it off on the podcast of the entire in-depth synopsis of the plot of Kingdom Hearts. Okay. What's next? Including the side games. Uh, the next one comes to us from Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn? No, Gwendolyn. Not not the character in my campaign who talks in uwu. Okay, Gwendolyn. Stop. Stop. I already feel bad enough that I have to attempt to say it normally. I have to make a concerted effort to say it normally. Uh, she says video games, specifically Nintendo 64 Super Mario. Nice. Yeah, Mario 64 on the Switch just brought me all kinds of back in time. The next one comes to us from uh, Isaiah. Hi, Isaiah. He says, reading old books and uh, listening to music. Okay. All right. I personally can't do that. Because you can't read? No, well, I, I can't read and listen to music at the same time. Oh. I get distracted. I can see that. Uh, the next one comes from comes to us from Caleb. Oh, hey Caleb. Uh, he says playing old video games from when I was younger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that's why I'm playing Mario 64 on the Switch, Mario Sunshine on the Switch, Mario Galaxy on the Switch, No More Heroes One and Two, mm-hmm. Monster Hunter. <laughs> nice. The Switch is just a nostalgia machine at this point. Uh, the next one comes to us from DM Darks. Oh, hey Pat. Hey Pat. I see. He says. I'll tell you what doesn't. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. No idea who half these characters are. (laughs) I'll I'll give you a secret. None of us do. Come on, explain them all. Alright, okay. So there's Mario and Luigi. Uh Uh-huh. Easy. Uh, Donkey... uh, Hold on, I'll pull up the roster. Hold on. (laughs) Uh, No, I was just kidding. No, seriously. No, 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 no. Were you here? Yeah, it was you and Jacob both went through the entire list with us over Christmas. Like, they went through the entire list to see if we knew who any of these people were. Alright, I'm, I'm just going to go down the website here. Piranha Plant, I hope I don't need to explain Piranha Plant. He's an enemy from Mario. Um, then you have Joker, who is, uh, he's... From Batman. We all know who Joker the, is. No, actually, different Joker. Uh, I know. He's the main protagonist from Persona 5. Uh, then we get down to Hero, who is, uh, the protagonist from, uh, uh, Dragon Quest Thirteen. Are you just going through the, the bonus ones that have come out since... Uh, the, the ones that are a little harder to explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Banjo and Kazooie from Banjo and Kazooie. Right, we know them. Uh, Terry is from... I don't know from what game. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. No, a, a different Terry. Damn e- it. Equally as muscular. Okay. Uh, then but can he make his pecs bounce up and down independently? I Probably. Um, then there's Byleth, who is the character you play as in Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh, okay. Uh, Min no Min, clue. 
a character from the game Arms. I've played Arms and I, I love played Min Min. Have you have you guys played Arms? It's where they got the spring springs for arms and they're boxers. And it's they, a really good workout. It is. It is a weird, weird ass game, and yet really like it. That was a uh, lot of fun. There is Steve and Alex from Minecraft. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, that's that's where they ruined it. No, I... When they put Steve in, they ruined I, I, I don't, it. I don't agree with Steve because he just feels out of place even during gameplay, but he's okay in there. Uh, then there's Sephiroth, the main villain from Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Uh, then Mario, Donkey Kong, Link, Samus. Dark Samus, that's another... No, 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 no. we can't, we can't go through dark, all dark, No, no, just, just the hard to explain ones. Dark Samus... But Pat knows Dark Samus. But everyone might not. Dark Samus is... Okay, uh, you really... You've got... You've got 50 more of these to go. In in, in the Metroid universe, there is a, a very unstable, almost living material called Phazon. And uh, Samus imprinted on the Phazon, and it formed into Dark Samus, who just wants to destroy everything. Right. Okay, Yoshi, Kirby. Pikachu. Uh, uh, Star Fox, Pikachu. Well, it's Fox from Star Fox. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 uh, ice Climbers, Dr. Mario. Wait, wait, wait. Pichu. The Ice Climbers who are named Nana and Popo. Yes. They, na- they named them after my parents. Mar- uh, Marth and Lucina. Lucina is another Fire Emblem character who uh, was posing as Marth for a while until the they real have, Marth showed up. They have so many Fire Emblem characters in here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, which, you know, I guess there's a crap ton of Mario characters in here. Roy and Krom are also Fire Emblem. Uh, Meta Knight uh, is from Kirby. Right. Uh, he is Kirby's rival and also, according to the Deep Lore, the Guardian is supposed to be keeping him safe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Then there's Pit, Pit from, from Kid, Kid Icarus, Icarus. Yeah. Dark Pit, Zero Suit Samus, Wario, uh, Solid Snake, Ike, another Fire Emblem, Pokemon Trainer, Diddy Kong, Lucas. Wait, wait, wait. oh, d- never mind. You said Diddy. Got it. What'd you think? I said Diddy Kong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which I'm like, why would you say Diddy Kong? I'm looking at. Oh, that's Diddy. Uh, Kong. Then there's Rob, who actually isn't a video game character, but was a toy you could buy for the SNES. Back in the day. Uh-huh. I would uh-huh. play games with you. Uh, Wolf, Villager, Mega Man, Wii Fit Trainer, Rosalina and Luma, Little Mac, Greninja is a Pokemon, Palutena, the goddess from Kid Icarus, Robin, another protagonist from Fire Emblem. Right. Uh, nobody, nobody knows any of these people. I'm explaining who they are. Uh, <laughs> Shulk is uh, the protagonist from uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, he has a blade that can uh, bend reality, giving sure. him... Superpowers like super strength and super speed. Huh? Uh, Bowser Jr., Duck Hunt, Ryu, Ken, Cloud, main character from Final Fantasy. Corrin, another fi- another uh, Fire Emblem. Uh, Bayonetta is her own thing. She's a witch and demon hunter. Yeah. While also being like a fallen angel herself. Right. And one who uh, wears ridiculously over-sexualized outfits at yeah. all times. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Inkling from Splatoon. Ridley. One of the big enemy, well, the big enemy from Metroid. Uh, Isabel, she is the mayor's assistant from Animal Crossing. Uh-huh. And I... then uh, <laughs> Incineroar is a Pokemon. Okay. That is fantastic. There, there's all the really unknown characters. Yeah, you glossed from... over Ness in there. Where's Ness from? Uh, Ness is from Mother. From what? Mother Earth. Huh? Earthbound? What? It's a game series. Huh? Ness, he was he was in Top Gun. 
Oh, oh, yeah, oh if, okay. If, 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 yeah, Richard Gere. If you don't uh, know Mother woman. or Earthbound, you're not gonna know. You're not gonna know Ness. Look, the only reason it's I, an old game from the SNES. The only the only reason I know Ness is because of the uh, the meme with Dark Ness. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, wow! And then they they sing the song. They bring out darkness, and then they sing. Hello, Hello darkness, darkness, my old friend. friend. Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, I love cool. that. Now that that's done, my God, I cannot believe you went through the whole list. Uh, well, just just the just the hard to explain ones. The next one comes from, from Peter. Uh, he says, "Wait, that wasn't the last one. There's more." Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says Nokia. Well, yeah, we still have memes about them though. Uh, the GameCube, huh? the, the Nokia phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. indestructible one. Okay, I I know what Nokia is. Right. Uh, the GameCube. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I missed the GameCube. Uh, he also says free will. Aww. Oh, oof. That one hurts. Uh, the next one comes from uh, Sarah Beth. Oh, hey, Sarah Beth. Well, hey, Sarah Beth. She says, hi, and I don't have a good oh, answer God. for you, but could you remind everyone that COVID is still a threat and to wear their masks? I run COVID tests for a living, and we are yet to go a day without a positive test. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's please, true. Wear a mask. It is so important. I know about eight people that are currently down with COVID. Yep. And not not to say that they are, you know, approving of COVID. They have COVID <laughs> themselves. Right, they're down, down with the COVID? They're down with the sickness. Oh, damn it. Why didn't I get to that first? Um, I am... Uh, uh, I am going to be getting my second shot, so I will be. Huh. I will have. Are you co- getting paid to get your shots? I I will be uh, complete with my uh, with my uh, immunity series here uh, at the end of this week. I think is when I'm getting my next. I shot. have recently joined a study to uh, test an experimental vaccine. Yes, a study in which surprisingly, uh, instead of being one of their. Uh, uh, double blind studies. This one, he's going to get a series of three shots. One of them will contain the vaccine, but he doesn't know which one. But it is still double blind in the fact that I don't know when the vaccine is happening. Right. I so, could have it, but by March I will definitely have it. Because my friend Chuck, uh, who is uh, over 65, um, he got into a vaccine trial several months ago, which was very noble of him, and uh, I'm glad he did that. But now it turns out that as the disease has gotten more serious and he works in a hospital where he can get free vaccination, uh, but he doesn't know if he's been vaccinated or not. And in fact, if he goes and gets vaccinated now or if he asks whether or not he's gotten the shot before, he's now out of the study. And right. so he loses the opportunity to continue with the study and the the study loses all of the data right. that he could produce. And so... It, I think that's why the study Aiden's in, in has changed their methodology is because the previous ones have seen a ton of people dropping out as they've gotten more scared and they want to get they want to uh, get vaccinated regardless and they don't give a crap um, about your study. So, did you hear about what's happening in the UK? No, they think uh, they found a mutated strain of COVID. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yes. would completely render any vaccine null and void. Well, okay. Now, correction. The three variants that we know of right now, the three main variants, two of them make the virus more contagious, if I understand correctly, and thus more contagious could be more problem- problematic than more deadly 
because more contagious means you're just going to have more sick people and thus more people who could die from it. Uh-huh. Um, but then there's also one, and I can't remember which one, that whereas the vaccines are currently 94% effective or 93% effective against the current version, uh, against this new variant, the vaccine would only be 65% effective. Uh-huh. But, but, and here's, and here's the part, and so that's where they're saying that, yeah, it's, it's becoming vaccine resistant or something, but they're reporting, at least from their prelim, preliminary, preliminary results, it's getting late, um, that, that they believe that even if you don't get full immunity to the new variants, it still reduces the severity of your sy- symptoms. You are less likely to uh-huh. be hospitalized. Thus, the vaccine still is extremely valuable. That, that, that missing 6% on the current vaccine really has been fuel for a lot of vaccine deniers. Yeah, you know what? Because they're like, oh, you mean with the vaccine, I can still get the disease, still have to wear a mask? Yes, if you wear a condom... Something can still go wrong, and you can still get pregnant or get VD. It is uh-huh. STDs. We don't call it VD anymore. That was valerial diseases. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's a very plush, sexually transmitted. So it's my plush chlamydia. That's <laughs> it's my velour chlamydia. So uh... <laughs> oh, once again, God. this podcast is sponsored by Zat Brannigan. Um. So, uh, uh, yeah. The the idea that because it's not a hundred percent effective, therefore it's worthless. Right. I, I am sick and tired of those arguments. It is. I mean, it I, is frustrating. Well, while getting my shots, uh, getting blood drawn, and all that, uh, I was making jokes with the nurses about, "Oh man, is this, this where we put the microchip in me?" Uh huh. And then the nurse Trip just said, "Yeah, if the government wanted to microchip you, they'd just look at your phone." It, that's exactly right. Why? Why would we implant microchips in people when? When they the government knows where I am every moment look, of the every day, the government knows where I am. The government knows what I look up, what I say, and they can control my behavior via advertising. Yeah, see, look, the, yeah, the best part about the phone is with a implantable microchip. They can't turn on a microphone in that and listen to you, but they can do that to your phone. I mean, they could, but all they get is <laughs> yeah, because unless you're talking out your ass. Out of my dinosaur cloaca? Yes, that's what I said. All right. That's brought that full circle. You got another one? Well, I mean, buttholes are usually a circle. Uh, Actually, the cloacal vents on these dinosaurs uh, are actually um, V-shaped. Are they? Yeah, yes. They had diagrams and everything. Their cloacal vents were V-shaped, so they weren't round. All right, well. Are you going anywhere with that, or...? No, I was just happy to say the word cloaca and prove you wrong. That's all. All right. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. Oh, okay. I thought you had one more. No, no, that's it. All right. Well, then that's been a show. You guys have been great. certainly I been a show. I cannot believe you stuck around for two hours. This is ridiculous yeah. that you are still here. You guys are we awesome. We are proud of you. Thank you so much for all the responses this week. Don't forget to let us know everything about your positions on... Uh, uh, Star Wars. Right, uh, Empire versus Rebellion in Star Wars. The uh, Empire versus Stormcloaks in Skyrim. Right. And our Palico Slaves. They are. And also, if you know anything about Kingdom Hearts, let us know. We would love to talk about it and uh, review how confusing that is. Or or if you have a, um, a single-page essay on 
any obscure nerd topic that you don't really know anything about but have strong opinions on anyway. Or if you don't anyway, know anything about it, still give us an answer. No, that's what I'm saying. If you don't know a thing about it but you would like to send us a strong opinion, we will create a new segment entitled Strong Uninformed Opinions. Oh my god, that would be incredible. Right. And uh, and we will read them off and then debate them. Oh so, my gosh. I know. I know. Does this not sound like the most exciting segment ever? We, dude, silly putty theory is actually coming into play. <laughs> you guys are the best. Uh, uh, say goodnight, R2. Say goodnight, Aiden. Good night, everybody. <laughs>